Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Mark, and we begin today with the word of prayer. Almighty God, we give you great thanks that you have gathered us around your word and your sacrament this morning, and we pray, O Lord, that as we hear and receive these gifts, they would be what we need to sustain us through this very difficult life. We pray, O Lord, for your mercy to be upon us and grant us your Holy Spirit that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Living in this world, especially at this time, we are very often forced to make a decision between two evils. We're forced to grapple with the reality that there are no good choices before us, but we must choose one or the other. And nowhere is this more apparent than for us today when we must choose between the Kansas City Chiefs and Tom Brady, the dark side's evil emperor. What do you do on a day like this? Nothing but evil and sin in front of us, and we've got to make a choice. This is very difficult. Now, it might be even more difficult for you because you just might hate sports, and now you thought you were going to go at least this morning without getting references, and now the whole sermon is going to be based around it, and you're just just mad. And I'm sorry for that. I know. I get it. I'm sorry. I I apologize. Uh, Nonetheless, there was something that happened this week as leading up to the Super Bowl that I thought was actually sort of helpful for us as we get into our reading from the Gospel of Mark this morning. Uh, There's Typically, as you go into the Super Bowl, if you don't know about all of this, typically they have something during the week called Media Day. And Media Day is is like the last day the media gets a chance to talk to the players before the Super Bowl. It's usually early on in the week. And you get all these crazy reporters out on the field, and they get a bunch of players around them, and they ask them all kinds of crazy and bizarre and off-the-wall questions. But sometimes they ask important questions or, or pertinent questions, insightful questions. Well, I don't know exactly how they did it this week. I'm assuming it was all kind of some weird Zoom call or something like this. But I did hear an interview uh, with Patrick Mahomes from those media conversations. Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. And Mahomes was asked this question. They asked him, what do you think your legacy will be if you win this Super Bowl? What do you think your impact on the game is going to be when your career is remembered? And they were asking him about his legacy. And I loved his answer. It's not a bad question, right? I mean, it's, it's fine. It's interesting. It might be insightful. But I loved his answer. He said, listen, we'll worry about my legacy some other time. I have to win a football game on Sunday. And I love that answer for a lot of reasons. Because notice what's going on here. The media, not in any sort of malicious way, are intent on getting a story, a scoop, some kind of headline. That's their job. That's their particular mission and their goal in that conversation. But that's not the goal of the quarterback. He's not there to play their game. He's there to win a game on Sunday, and so he needs to avoid all kinds of distractions. Even if it's a good question, even if it's a legitimate question, a legitimate conversation, he doesn't have time to think about it right now because he's focused on Sunday. He's focused on winning the game. And it doesn't matter what the media wants from him, what they want him to do, and what they want to take from him. He's focused on winning. And it strikes me that this is actually somewhat similar to what we see taking place in our reading from the Gospel of Mark today. Because as we encounter Jesus, Jesus does something that we might deem rather strange if we don't think about it in terms of Jesus' focus being on the end. 
Here's what's going on. This is the first time in Mark's Gospel where we really start to recognize that Jesus' mission, his plan, his goal is different than that what his disciples want him to do. His, his focus is different from what the world wants him to do and be and what the world wants to take from him. Jesus' mission is going to counter the expectations and desires of what everybody wants from the Christ. But he's got a focus. He's got a mission. And if we don't know that, if we don't know the end of the story, and by the way, knowing the end of the story is going to be crucial for us this morning. We'll come back to that later. But if we don't know Jesus' goal and we don't know the end of the story, we might be a little surprised and even perhaps put off by Jesus today. And in fact, even knowing the end of the story, we might be put off by what Jesus does today. Because just look what's happening, at least up to this point in Mark's gospel. So Jesus has shown up on the scene, and it's exactly what everybody was wanting. The prophets proclaim this guy. John prepares this for him and announces he's arrived, and everyone's excited. And then it's a little weird that he gets baptized with sinners, but then the Father speaks his blessing over him, and everyone's like, oh, this is, this is exciting stuff. Then immediately the Holy Spirit takes him out to be tempted by Satan in the wilderness and he beats Satan in the wilderness and then he comes back on the scene and he starts preaching and healing and casting out demons and today he casts out uh, a disease from Peter's mother-in-law and everybody around the town hears it and they're coming to see Jesus and they're like, now we're cooking with gas. And the disciples are like, listen, this guy's going to be king by the spring. By next year we may have conquered the whole world. Like this is thrilling stuff. He's doing exactly what they wanted him to do. He's exactly what they were hoping for. And then something strange happens. After a night of healing and exercising demons, Jesus goes off by himself to pray. And as the sun comes up, the disciples go out searching for him. The text explains it, that they are diligently searching for Jesus. And when they find him, they tell him, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Here's the idea of what's going on. Peter's uh, mother-in-law says to Peter, hey, listen, there's a line of people outside of my door right now who are sick and dying and in need of a lot of help, and that Jesus guy can help. Go find him. And so as they go looking for Jesus, and they find him, and they're thinking big. They're like, listen, Jesus, come back and heal these people. We'll set up shop here, and suddenly the whole world will know about us. This is going to be great for your PR, and those people, they really need your help. They really need your healing. They are legitimately sick and dying, and you can do something about it. So come on, Jesus, let's go back. Let's go back and see him. And Jesus says, no. Let's go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And you have to wonder, if you were one of those people standing in line that day, how you would have felt about that. All day before, you were sitting there watching one miracle after another walk out the door, and now the guy who performs those miracles is gone. I mean, I've heard a lot of people have kind of had this experience in the last couple of weeks here trying to get the vaccine. Like, they've gone to these big gatherings for the vaccine, and they'll sit in line all day in their car, only to be like three cars away and told, you know what, we ran out, guys, we're sorry, you got to come back tomorrow. The only difference here is this. Uh, Jesus isn't a guy with a vaccine. He's the Son of God with the power to actually accomplish the healing of these people, and he's walking away from it. He's got to go preach somewhere else. And the people in that line, they don't get the chance to see Jesus that day. They don't get the chance to have their diseases healed because Jesus has somewhere else to preach. 
you got to wonder, they're sitting there going, where does he think he's going? And I can't help but imagine that many of us have had that kind of feeling, that experience with God or with Christ in our own lives where, you know, you've suffered or you've been suffering or you've had loved ones who are suffering or you're in a relationship that's really painful or you're watching somebody you love walk away from the faith and you're crying out to God over it and they're not coming back and you can't seem to figure out what's going on. It's like you're waiting in line for something wonderful to happen and it just doesn't seem to happen. You've heard the great promises of God. You've probably even read these books about people who experience miraculous healings and have amazing experiences from God in their lives and you just don't see it yourself. And you wonder what's he doing. And so you read the text a little indignant today. You want to know, no, you demand to know where is Jesus going because there's a lot of legitimate needs and struggles here right now and we need some help. But as we look at the text today, we recognize as important and pressing as those needs are, and though Jesus does have the power to heal them then and there, the reality is Jesus didn't come to be a medical miracle worker. He came to establish God's rule and reign over this creation and proclaim the good news that God was bringing salvation to the world from sin, death, and the devil through His sacrificial work on a cross. So that, like with the media asking those quarterbacks some good and legitimate questions, if Jesus had stayed there and focused in on those people and their needs, He would have missed His primary mission. Because his primary goal was not temporary healing of each and every disease. His focus was the cross. His focus was in giving faith. His focus was in purchasing salvation with his own blood. Not just healing diseases for a temporary period, but eradicating death eternally. Pastor Matt said it beautifully this week in our, in our morning devotion. We were doing, well, the devotions we do with our staff. He said, what would have happened if Jesus had stayed there and just continued to heal diseases? Those people who were healed, they still would have died. And if he hadn't gone to the cross, they would have died eternally in their sins. See, we have to look at these things that we encounter and endure from the perspective of the cross, from the perspective of the empty tomb, from the perspective of the end. See, when we're facing real pain and real struggle, there is the reality that sometimes those things become so all-consuming that we cannot see anything else. We get tunnel vision and we're only focused in on what we're suffering and we grow anxious and upset and we even become angry towards God and our faith wavers. And this is why I said earlier it's so crucial for us to look at these things from the perspective of the end of the story, from the perspective of the cross, To remember that Jesus didn't come to be a miracle man, but to be a sacrifice for the sins of the world, to come and conquer death, which means that in his dying and his rising, he is dealing with what is actually our biggest problem that we have, death and sin. And because of his cross and resurrection, he has conquered both of these things. And doing this then, he can help us see that our current trials, as bad and difficult as they are, are but momentary afflictions that Christ will bring us through and ultimately raise us from on the last day. 
and perhaps even granted to us by God so that our faith might be strengthened by them and we may be taught to persevere and endure. That's why Jesus says today, you know, he went off to preach. He says, that's why I came out. Because he's come out to give us a word because it is only his word that is going to strengthen us and sustain us through this veil of tears. He sends his word even to you today, you who are overwhelmed by the trials and difficulties and sins of this life. He comes to you with preaching because you need a word to carry you through these dark and difficult days. And his word alone is going to do it. And his word tells you The end. It gives you the perspective of the end. His word is the word that says to you today, these light and momentary afflictions are nothing compared to the weight of glory that I have purchased for you with my blood. Your sins are nothing compared to my mercy, and so I forgive you. Your disease is not strong enough to overcome and reverse my promise to you. My cross, says Jesus, an empty tomb have secured for you an eternal life where all of this will become but a memory. As the great Christian artist Andrew Peterson sings, we'll look back on these tears as old tales. Stand firm then and trust Christ for He is making good on His promise whether we see and feel it or not. You see, our trials and our afflictions They may distract us from our faith in Jesus, but they do not distract Jesus from His purpose to be your Savior and to be your God. And all of this He has done for you. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come before You with our trials and our concerns and our cares, and we thank You that You hear our prayers. Lord, we pray that You would teach us to endure and persevere and to trust You even in the face of trial. Lord, You are good and You are gracious and You care for Your people. Help us to see things, Lord, from the end, from the perspective of the cross and the empty tomb. And may this perspective sustain us into life everlasting with You. Jesus, it's in Your name we pray. Amen. Having heard the word of our Lord, I invite you to please rise as we confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. continue with the prayers of the church. We have one very exciting prayer request today after third service this morning. uh, Wayne, Miley, and Kalina Harrison uh, are going to be baptized here. We have a baby and uh, Kalina is the child and her parents are going to be baptized with her today uh, after our third service. So that's very exciting. We give thanks to God for this and so we keep Wayne, Miley, and Kalina in our prayers. We join our hearts in prayer.
We give thanks to you, dear Father, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh, that through him the gospel has been preached, casting out the works of Satan and corruption of sin, which we could not overcome. By your word, rescue us from every evil of body and soul. Lord, in your mercy, Lord of the church, give joy to your servants on whom you have laid the necessity to preach the gospel, that by your means many would be saved in every nation, and that together we may share in the blessings of Christ. Almighty God, we ask you to watch over all the work and activity that takes place in our church, that it would serve the proclamation of your word and the furthering of your kingdom. We pray especially that you would watch over us as we prepare uh, to receive a Director of Christian Education intern. O oh Lord, guide this 